0: This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and
1: head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
2: I am not Rod Serling, but I am a celebrity impersonator and you are about to enter a dimension. Not of Kardashians or reality TV, but of nostalgia, of television programs and motion pictures that have transcended the passage of time. That's the sign. We'll step ahead. Your next stop, Classic TV and Film Podcast. I'm Ed Gross, and you're listening to TV Retrovision, the podcast where we celebrate all our yesterdays, today and tomorrow. Most television and movie stars slip into relative obscurity as one generation moves on to the next. That's just the reality of show business. But there are those who continue to connect with the audience, despite the fact that they haven't been a regular TV presence in years. The late Bill Bixby is a great example. He first came to our attention as the co-star of the early 60s series My Favorite Martian. From there he went on to shows like The Courtship of Eddie's Father, The Magician, and of course The Incredible Hulk, where he warned us that we wouldn't like him if he was angry. One person who seems to have embraced all sides of the actor is author David Grove, who has written the forthcoming biography, Bill Bixby, His Life, His Career, His Secrets. As longtime fans of Bill's, we were very curious about this project, so we sat down with David to find out how it came about and to hopefully gain a greater understanding of just who Bill Bixby was. Please note, this conversation took place when the book's title was Bill Bixby, Credible. The inspiration for you to do this book, because as an author myself of nonfiction books, I know it's going to take a lot of time and research and that sort of thing. So what was it about this subject of Bill Bixby that made you want to write this book?
0: I think what you've experienced, which I've experienced because I've done other books is that as much passion or interest as you thought you had uh, for a subject when you, when you first had the inspiration to do for a book is, is, is overwhelmed over time by the sheer effort and, (laughs) and <laughs> the detail and oh, time yeah. that you invest. So uh, I'm not sure you can love anyone enough to be, uh, you know, to match all <laughs> the price you pay. <laughs> you know, you, it, it, you, you pay a price uh, when, you, when you do uh, a quality, detailed biography, both in terms of time and uh, and energy. But yeah, in terms of bills, so I was born in 73 and I have very vivid memories of watching The The Incredible Hulk, and I always had uh, I I always had a fond regard for Bill, but was not an especially uh, uh, a big fan of his or a big follower of his. I I think it was about uh, I think it was in two thousand and two thousand and one when A and E did a biography on Bill, which is uh, is on uh, available on uh, YouTube. And I I just remember this was back in two thousand and 2001. And, uh, I, I, was very, uh, very moved by it. It was a, obviously Bill's story was one of, uh, determination, but also tragedy and sadness. And, uh, it was just a very compelling story. And in terms of why now I decided to write this book, I just thought, um, wow, that, that I, I just, I, I've always been fascinated by, yes, what Bill and I, Bill and I have in common is, um, Bill was an only child, and I'm an only child, and Bill is the last of his family, the last of the Bixby line, and I, my father's still alive, and when when my father passes away, I will be the last of my family, and I find something very poignant about that, and I find something about that fact, being the only child, being the last of your family, in Bill's case, for for very very tragic reasons. there's there's a correlation between that that profile and your personality and how your life unfolds and and the way you behave and I I recognize that in myself and I recognize that in Bill who after talking with more than so many people who knew um, was a mysterious man in in many ways.
2: I mean, I hope that's a good answer. No, and it, it's 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 perfectly fine. Um, I remember uh, speaking to uh, Brandon Cruz about Bill and just the the dichotomy of this this guy who was on the set and 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 was very the kindest human being you'd ever meet, and he yeah. was kind off set too. The impression I got anyway is that he still led a wild life in a sense privately that you never ever would have suspected based on the public persona, which is very, really well,
0: uh, as you started talking about, as you started talking, I, I thought you were going to say about a dichotomy of someone who was full of energy and had an intense need uh, to perform and be in the spotlight, but was very private and secretive in his personal life in terms of his sharing his thoughts and emotions. Uh, and, uh, you know, just, just, Allowing access into his deeper thoughts and fears and feelings, especially emotions.
1: Right. But
0: in terms of the context of what that that what you just said, oh yeah, Bill. Bill was uh, Bill was uh, outwardly. He was a very gregarious, and I, I you know I, I, I described as as a mysterious man. So you might think Bill was introverted. He was on some level, into in, in, in terms of in terms of uh, personal relationships and allowing access but he was not introverted at all in terms of his on the set or, or his social life. He was the opposite. He was, he, on the other hand, uh, the complete opposite. He was someone who had so much energy and intensity that it was sometimes overwhelming. You know, what, one of Bill's closest friends, uh, uh, told me that it was, it was impossible. She thinks it would be impossible for any woman to have been married to Bill for A long period of time, maybe 20 years or 30 years, because he was just so demanding in terms of energy, in terms of intensity. You know, one time when Bill, after Bill got divorced uh, from uh, Brenda, no, no, maybe when he was a bachelor in the 80s, um, he went on a date with this woman, uh, one of his friends told me, who was like one of these women's lib people who was very opinionated, very smart. And she said that she lasted one date with Bill because he was just, uh, he, he talked all the time and he had, he had many opinions on everything. And sometimes during one thought, he would go from one subject to the other. And, you know, if you were somebody, he, he, it was very difficult to maintain that level of energy if you were in conversation with him. And, and you know, Bill carried himself as an intellectual very much and he, he was very intelligent. He was, but he was not, a, he was self-educated. You know, he dropped out of university and uh, he studied many subjects. He had opinions on many subjects. But anyway, if you were having a conversation with Bill and he sensed that you were unable to maintain your part of the conversation to exist on his intellectual plane, he would just kind of drift away. You know, no. he would just, uh, you know, he wouldn't be rude. He'd be very polite and smile, but you could tell he wouldn't be there anymore.
2: <laughs> he was no longer engaged, basically, in the conversation.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. but 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 anyway, yeah. W- when I spoke to uh, Christina, um, w- 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 when you talk about that, when I spoke to uh, uh, Christina, his co-star on um, on Court of father, she's a doctor now. I, I'm sorry, I forgot her name. But you know the one. You know, you know who played Tina, Tina Rickles. Yes. Christina, I'm sorry, I forgot. Oh, her name. I, no
2: Christina problem. Holland. There you Christina go.
0: Christina Holland. And she said to me, she said, no, you know, Bill, Bill, what, I was much more introverted than Bill was. In fact, she said he was overwhelming, you know, and, and sometimes they'd be at a party, and she, Christina said that she'd watch Bill standing in the middle of the room, just sucking the oxygen out of the room, holding court, dominating. You know, talking and and uh, his presence, and she just kind of smile and laugh and say, "Oh, Bill." And and Bill Bill walked over to her one time and said, "No, you see, I was I was being helpful. I was giving information. I was I was informing <laughs> the person. I wasn't being uh, uh overbearing." And uh, and Brenda, his first wife, she was the perfect counterpoint to him early in their marriage because. She kind of recognized the way Bill was, and she, she when when he would behave like that, when he would get very intense and very uh, effusive with with his with his uh, his the way he talked and the way he was acting, she just kind of laugh and say, "Oh, Bill, you know, here you go again." Right. <laughs> so he, but you know, yeah. You talked about why I decided to write the book. I talked about what we have in common, being an only child uh being the last of your family and the psychological well i I find that poignant um what i find fascinating was this dichotomy this contradiction of bill of someone who at a very young age from when he was a little boy delivering papers when he was the most flamboyant paper boy in san francisco and every every all the other paper boys looked at him and thought wow he's a star you know at 12 years old Not, not a real star but a a star amongst their group as uh, uh, someone who had an intense need for attention and the spotlight. But like I said, in his, in his personal life and his personal relationships was very increasingly secretive. And, and it was someone who did not allow access into, into his deepest uh, thoughts, feelings, fears, emotions.
2: And why, why do you think he was that way? Cause he, as you said, as it went on, it became more of a thing with him. Where he closed himself more and more on the level you're talking about. Why do you think that was? Why do you think he was sort of retreating in a sense?
0: Okay, well, I talked about being an only child. Yeah. Uh, Bill and I, that <laughs> what we have in common: being an only child, being the last of our family, and the, the the psychological effects of that. But in Bill, you have to go back to his parents, who were like Bill. Uh, his mother, especially his mother Jane his parents were not people who showed a lot of affection. You know, they were very emotionally guarded, but his mother was like, like Bill was early in his life. She was a firecracker. She was so effusive. So, uh, such a quick wit, you know, she was a character, you know, but, but, you know, it's, it's, it's that stereotypical dynamic we see in many people. Uh, I don't think Bill, uh, they didn't say i love you much
1: wow and that
0: that 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 is a cliche because we've seen that we've seen that, that 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 dynamic in many people man you know grow up with parents who uh just aren't very affectionate they weren't very affectionate uh toward bill and of course being an only child um he sought entertainment he sought he sought ways to entertain himself and to entertain others because only when you're an only child you're always trying to make friends, but on the other side of that, when he made these friendships, he didn't want to talk about his fa- he didn't want to talk about his parents. He didn't want to talk about his father, especially during World War II, when Bill's father went overseas, went to the Pacific Theater. This was very traumatic for Bill. He was, with, he was um, let's see. he was about 11 years old when his father went over to the Pacific. And his father came back, what, the end of the war, maybe approximately two and a half, three years later. That's about a quarter of his life without a father. And uh, he didn't want to talk about that, you know, with his friends. You know, he'd bring friends over to the family home, and uh, there was a picture of his, one of his friends told me, he went over to Bill's apartment, and uh, he saw a picture of this handsome man in a, military, in a Navy uniform. He said, oh, oh, is that your father? And he said, he, he didn't want to talk about that, you know. Mm-hmm.
2: The tough stuff. I mean, seriously. Uh, you know, you. you
0: but, but, but I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, to interrupt you. But
1: okay.
0: Listen, Bill. I, I talk about this, this, uh, you know, this, this uh, <laughs> these, all these contra, the the the, 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 these, these, these opposite parts of his personality and behavior. Listen, Bill. I think Bill, throughout the '60s, had more girlfriends than any other actor in Hollywood. Really, you know, (laughs) I'm 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 half joking, but you know, quite a few. So he he wasn't he certainly wasn't shy when it came to, for example, approaching women. You know, right? So that. So anyway.
2: Well, I mean, and part of it, like the fact that you call the book Bill Bixby, you know, credible. The thing that always – I want to know your reasoning for that, but the thing that always struck me about Bill, when I wrote a couple of articles for Closer about him, uh, it was just based on my memories of the fact that I would watch him in whatever I watched him in, my favorite Martian, Incredible Hulk, The Magician, whatever it may be, even Love American style. There was that credibility. There was that realism. You felt like you were dealing with a human being rather than an actor playing a character. And I wonder if, A, you sense that, and if, B, if that had any influence on in the fact that you called the book Bill Bixby Credible.
0: Yeah, I hope that title, that tentative title doesn't sound too cheesy, but it's obviously a reference to his most famous role in The Incredible Hawk, which is what anyone today who remembers Bill thinks, to, to any degree that Bill is remembered today, it, The Incredible Hawk is the first thing. But it does apply to Bill's uh, persona as an actor and a person, which is that he brought great determination and competence is a word that's almost a synonym of the word credible. And I would describe Bill as an actor in the abstract. I would describe him as a general purpose actor who reflected charm, surface, charm, smartness. Um, But in the particulars of his career, his most famous roles on My Favorite Martian, Courtship of Eddie's Father, and The Incredible Hulk, he was someone who reflected the sense of wonder that we experienced when we were watching, particularly My Favorite Martian and The Hulk, which are uh, fantasy-related shows. And he made the implausible seem plausible. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, he, he completely did I think that's kind of what I was he, saying. He
0: brought, especially with the Incredible Hulk, which he, even Bill found silly. By the way, uh, he he brought conviction. He brought so much conviction that um, you know he 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 may he, David Copperfield. Uh, yeah, David Copperfield, who I spoke to, who who appeared. Uh, Bill hosted a magic show. I'm just gonna bring up the file here. Let's see what Bill David Copperfield said something. Yeah, Bill's impact was that of an everyman. And through Bill, we witnessed we witnessed the wonder that he experienced, you know, as he was going through, whether on my favorite Martian, or when he was dealing with this extraterrestrial being who entered his home and or the incredible Hulk and dealing with this monstrous alter ego. We he was the everyman and we, we uh we experienced wonder through him and he made it seem plausible th- th- through through his eyes through his eyes we experience a sense of awe and wonder
2: absolutely and, and and that's the thing he but he could also take the silliest roles the lightest roles and I go again I go back to like and I just remember specifically one episode of love american style um, and and just make you believe that this was a real guy like I said earlier um, yeah. And people don't... People, what's funny is people don't... Remember, I mention this to people, that they don't remember that he was in that pilot for Fantasy Island.
0: And yeah, in He he played an older a man who's older and uh, grayish, and yeah.
2: Who keeps in in his fantasy before the show became all light and fun, uh, really, was the guy who... Didn't he... Unless I'm misremembering this, didn't he kill somebody once and then he gets a chance to relive it and he kills her again?
0: It was the Dorian Gray uh, uh, thing. That, you know... He, Bill was um, Bill was a real pretty boy, and he 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 was a middle class boy from San Francisco who was very and and th- th- this is a reflection of his parents. His parents were very much into rules and etiquette. They were a middle class family, but Bill was very everything had to be perfect, everything had to be precise. And and he he as he got older, as he went into junior high and and senior high school. He developed this almost Victorian manner. He certainly—you certainly saw Victorian manner in his speech, which was very neat. And it, it, it was not a European speech. But even when you saw in in his in his his acting career, he never used slang rarely. And if he did use slang, it was so awkward and out of character for him. He, and of course, his appearance was so impeccable and and neat and and so. He, he did kind of appear as this pretty boy, this narcissistic guy who you would think was the captain of the football team or something like that. The kind of guy you might detest, but he, was, he did have middle-class values. And, you know, Bill, Bill was an entertainer from, from when he was a little boy, as I said, but he was not an actor specifically. He, he did many forms of entertainment. You know, when he went to senior high school at Lowell, Lowell High School in San Francisco... He um, he was not the king of the drama productions. If anything, but if anything, he was a very tangential figure. You know, the the beachhead of his performance uh, was a uh, cheerleading. He was a cheerleader. He was on the debate team, and it was through the debate team that he really acted out. And uh, I don't. Do you know who Pyramus and Thisbe are? No, I don't. Okay, Pyramus and Thisbe are these fictional Babylonian lovers who were written about. Hun- uh, over uh, over uh, a thousand years ago, by uh, uh, in the uh, they appeared in the poem uh, Ovi's Metamorphoses, and these fictional love like Romeo and Juliet. And Bill, when Bill was in high school, he did he did what was he did the Pyramus and Thisbe scene from that poem, and he played both roles, man a, a teenage boy and a teenage girl, and he was just a clown, and he became famous for the Pyramus and Thisbe, and. Uh, you know he was uh, he was on the rally committee he did everything but he you know he only did one play he only did one play at, at at lowell he had a supporting role and uh you know so he was uh but you know he was he he was he was the comedian you know who would do any anything who would do anything when he was a boy and a teenager to get attention and to make people happy right
2: now that's, and that, that really leads me to ask this, you know, I'm sure when you went into this project, you had sort of one perception of who Bill Bixby was, and I'd love to get a sense from you of what that perception was coming into the project, but also in interviewing people and having them enlighten you more and more about Bill, because you said you've spoken to a couple of hundred people, you know, how has that changed? I mean, what is you? how has your perception of who Bill Bixby was changed during your whole process here?
0: Wow, that's an excellent question. I think <laughs> you. I went into the book thinking that Bill was a mysterious man who did not have any uh, close personal relationships, and uh, you, you know, Bill had many casual friendships in, in both in Hollywood and and in his uh, in his high school and and college years. But I'm talking about if we define friendship. If we define a friend as someone who you confide in during your most difficult periods, or, or someone that you would re- someone that you would rely on to be your a, a godparent to your children, or vice versa, right? Bill had very few close friends. You know, he had many, many of his friends as Paul Williams, Paul Williams, who you know is a songwriter and. Uh, probably best known from smoking the bandit uh, unfortunately he's a great he's a great son right he talked about the flyby aspect of bill's friendship you know paul and bill were were very close at one period and then he said he just kind of went away and uh, that happened very often anyway his closest friend was uh was dick martin from Rowan really? and martin laugh and they were together from the early 60s and 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 when bill died he was at bill's beds. he was he was He he was. They were very close, and he was very supportive of Bill right to the end. And he had. I spoke to. I spoke to Dick. Dick's wife, who was a very good friend of Bill's. I spoke to Bill's best friend in high school, who stayed in touch with Bill. But uh, anyway, I had this image of Bill as a mysterious man, and uh, you know that was true. That's true. In fact, I I talked to people, and they said to me after we talked. They after we talked, we said, you know, you, you. After talking about Bill, I realized he was a mysterious man. You know, I, 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 let let me let me let me let me give you an example of that. When I uh, when Bill did uh, courtship, when Bill did my favorite Martian, he became very good friends with Pamela Britton. And every weekend for about the first two seasons or so, they uh, they would go to Gene Autry's country club on on the weekend, and Bill would sing and stuff like that. They were very close, and then they just stopped seeing each other you know, and, uh, and, and I mentioned Dick Martin, when Bill got married to Brenda, when I asked Bill Dick's wife, I said, tell me about the wedding to, uh, to Bill, tell me about Bill and Brenda's wedding. And it's been a long time. So you, you wouldn't think maybe they, maybe Dolly had forgotten this, but she said, Oh, I, we didn't go to the wedding. Really? You know, Bill's second marriage, uh, to Laura in in the end of 1990, this is when Bill was diagnosed with cancer. He, um, guess who was at the wedding? It, it was Dick and Dolly. Dick was the best man. And it was Chuck Calwell, who was a cinematographer who Bill had known for about two years, two or three years. They met on Sledgehammer, when Bill directed several episodes, and Chuck shot all those, the three Hulk uh, uh, f- f- films. Three movies, that, yeah. Yeah, between 88 and 90. And Chuck and his wife were at the wedding. You know, and that was it. You know, no one
1: else.
0: No one else was there. I had perceptions about the tragedies in Bill's life. I had a perception, and I'm sure you had this perception too, maybe when you saw the documentary, that when Bill and Brenda got divorced, when Bill's son died, that his anger toward Brenda was a dispositive factor in her committing suicide, which of course puts a pretty kind of negative, uh, uh, spin on Bill, right. you know, in terms of in terms of how he treated her, you know, who who much like Bill went through a tragedy herself, right? Absolutely, and that he wasn't able to get past the wasn't able to get past the anger over her, over the divorce, to feel sympathy for her, what she was going through, and that's not entirely true either. And uh, and of course, uh, there's another narrative about when Bill's second wife, who I just mentioned when Bill was diagnosed with cancer, that after a while she left Bill, you know, the, the, the perception being that Bill, um, um, you know, Bill was at his weakest point and she walks out on him in a bandage. Well, that's true, but it's not true as well. So the, there's more to that story too. So, um, but you know, there there were things about Bill that were, you don't want to begin with a hypothesis and then put everything through that. I just talked to everyone and, um, and I, I was surprised by how, uh, I was actually surprised by how many, how, how friendly Bill was and how approachable he was. Cause he, as I said, he had so many casual friendships and, and he had so many relationships with women. And, uh, you know, so, you know, there, there's always, um, you know, there, there there's certainly some surprises, but some things were
2: what I expected. So. Right. What what do you think it was, though, about Dick and Dolly Martin that that relationship lasted when really none of the others ever did?
0: Well, Dolly became friends with Bill through Dick, you know, the 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 friendship between Dick, Dick and Dolly. You know, Dolly told me a story once that when uh, this might have been after Christopher was dying, she broke her arm in an accident and Bill came over and she had to she had to she couldn't take off her bra you know, or put on her shirt and, and, uh, and, uh, she needed help. She she could, she could move her arm. Her arm was broken. And she said, Bill, I want you to help me, but you can't look. And he, Bill kind of smiled. So we helped her take off the the bra. Right. He was that kind of guy. He was a gentleman. Right. He was a gentleman. He had, you, you, you know, you know, you know, what surprised me, uh, as many girlfriends and relationships that Bill had throughout his life. He also had many platonic female
2: friendships. Okay. That would explain how he could be a gentleman. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But but the Dick Martin question nonetheless is – because it surprises me to hear this about his relationships or his friendships or lack thereof with with different people. What do you think it was about Dick that the two of them remained close, that Dick was there at his bedside when he was dying basically?
0: Well, they both met – they both lived – Bill had a house in Laurel Canyon. Dick lived nearby, and they were two of the most eligible bachelors around. This was sixty-four, sixty-five, and they they were sort of uh, ran around together and had a lot of fun. And uh, you know, Dick was about what a decade older than him, so there, there was a bit of a generational gap. And uh, they just um, sense of humor together. But uh, surprised me. Bill Bill has a Bill has a very uh, uh, had a, Bill had a very strong sense of humor, and, um, um, and they, they just were very compatible. You know, they met in 64, 65. They were both bachelors. They both ran around, you know, before before Dick got married, and, and, uh, and they were just very compatible. And, you know, his other closest friend who I, I've gotten to know very well was a man named Ron Chapman. Uh, his best friend from high school. Now I talk about how few relationships Bill had that lasted, you know, were extensive and lasted were lifelong. And this, Bill's friendship with Ron was a, was his only lifelong friendship. You know, in terms of they met in high school back in the late '40s. Right. They went to Marine boot camp together for several years, and although they went their separate ways. Ron's life was moved away from Bill's. They kept in touch right until Bill died. You know, uh, before Bill died, every night he was on the phone with Ron. Wow.
2: Which, again, goes against how it was with the vast majority of people in Bill's life, apparently. So it's interesting yeah. that those two relationships lasted.
0: You've heard the expression, some people have a thousand acquaintances, but very few close friends. Of course. Well, Bill had Bill had many. I, I wouldn't describe. They were more than acquaintances. They were friends. They were friends. But but you know, as I, as I define friendship, you know that, that's um, that, that that that's definitely true. Yeah. You, you know, I, I mentioned Paul Williams talked about the flyby aspect. Right. Of friendship with Bill. Now, in the case of that relationship, Paul and Bill were both uh, on drugs for a period, and that's why they went there. That was one of the reasons why there's different ways. Paul told me that, you know, he had to get clean. Bill had to get clean at the period. But, you know, he, he told a story about how he was, do you remember the movie Phantom of the Paradise?
2: Of course, yeah.
0: Great movie he was in. He was in Dallas. He was filming. It was New Year's Eve. And he was really, he loved the movie, but he was really miserable because he was away from his wife. And, and Bill and Brenda flew into Dallas and they surprised him. And they said, Brenda said to him, you know, we didn't want you to be alone on New Year's Day. And it was such a touching act of friendship. And it showed her how close they were. But as I said, over time, they kind of drifted apart.
2: Right. It's amazing how that happens. But it happens. I mean, we all go through that. And and
0: Bill Bill was very kind and generous and uh, approachable and, um, you know, all, all that stuff.
2: There's another side of this, too, with Bill in the sense of the public persona, the one for the people who sat home watching him on television. What I have found from the articles I've done and the feedback I've gotten from checking out your Facebook page and the feedback that you've gotten from people, there are all there's such a warm sentiment from the audience. I loved him. Gone too soon. Every show he was in was great. That sort of thing. What do you think it was? What do you think the connection was? With the audience, that the people that people today, so many years after he's been gone and out of the headlines, uh, still have this warmth for him.
0: One of the questions I thought you were going to ask me is if you feel if I felt Bill's legacy uh, had survived the test of time. So I, I, you're sort of asking me that question there. So I think I'll, I'll attach that sure. to this. That. Um, Bill's the passage of time has been very deleterious to Bill's reputation and legacy as it is for any actor or actress who is predominantly known for their television work. You know, when I speak to um, anyone under the age of 40 and I ask them, do you know who Bill Bixby is? They say no. To the degree that anyone remembers Bill in that age bracket, um, you know, is, it is a, it can be attributed to the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which has kept the Hulk in in the in the forefront of of the of, uh, of uh, the public eye, and through that there has been some residual uh, interest and curiosity in Bill's series. But you know, to the degree that Bill is remembered today, is almost uh, uh, pro- disproportionately tied to the Incredible Hulk, and you know. I know people who are age, people who are aged between fifty and sixty certainly remember Bill, but you know it's it's um, as I said it's 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 tough. I describe I would describe Bill as an actor. I think of I think of what Gene Wilder once said. He talked about. He said, "You know, it's not that I couldn't do dramatic roles. It's just that I know why would someone hire me to do a dramatic role when there's at least twenty or thirty other guys." who could do a better job, you know, who people think of that. And I think that's what, that was the position Bill was in. I I would describe Bill as a, uh, as I said in the abstract, I would describe him as a general purpose actor who was very determined, uh, but was either unwilling or unable to allow the audience to have access into his innermost, uh, as I said, his thoughts and feelings, uh, that wall you could see that wall was always was always there, you know, with Bill.
2: Right. And yet, but I don't see, I don't think the audience felt the wall. I, and that's why I think the articles, like I'm talking about the responses we're getting, is because they didn't feel the warm, the wall. They felt a connection with this man.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I definitely think, as I said, he, he was an everyman who allowed us to, um, you know, experience experience a sense of wonder in that and I think in courtship of Eddie's father he definitely was the uh, he did he did he did display warmth but it, it, it was it was it was it warmth generating warmth for Bill was on screen it required it was a tremendous determination and effort it was a, in my opinion I think it was a manufactured in a sense that he he was I would compare him to Ted Danson in the sense that I think Bill was a, a cold actor in a sense that he, he was not, um, in, in terms of it, it displaying emotion, that was not his forte.
2: And his forte was what then?
0: His forte was, uh, charm, competence, you know, uh, allowing the uh, be being, being, um, being relatable to the audience, you know, the everyman. man, the every man,
2: mm-hmm. I, think,
0: I think it's what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. That sounds right. You know, um, well,
0: in he, my opinion,
2: you're yeah, sure.
1: He's I, a
0: complicated man. Look, he, he's a complicated man. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: uh, l- let me, let me, let
0: me put it this way. Why? Let's, let's talk about why Bill did not have a feature film career. Let's talk about a question I've asked everyone. Why was Bill suited? Let's talk about why Bill was suited to television and why he was not suited to feature film. Uh, okay. feature film career. There's a reason for that. Now, you could say the vehicles that Bill was given, uh, he made several films in the mid to late 60s were mediocre, maudlin, forgettable efforts. And uh, you you could say that was the reason why. uh, But he appeared on the big screen. He appeared two-dimensional, shallow, wooden, somewhat narcissistic. This is the complete opposite of how he appeared on Courtship of Eddie's Father, isn't it? Warm, relatable, loving. Why was that? Why do do you think that was?
2: The intimacy of television?
0: The intimacy of television, yes. Yes. And I think think intimacy, displaying intimacy was Bill's biggest challenge as an actor. It was the thing he worked at the most, and I think it was the most difficult thing for him to do. And I think in, in Courtship of Eddie's Father, he was most successful in that.
2: That seems like of all the shows he did, that was the one he was the most connected to emotionally.
0: I, I think he was emotionally, but again, in his real life, you know, Bill, Bill was still the bachelor, you know, getting yeah. married for Bill. Uh,
2: That's why it's called acting.
0: Six, yeah. <laughs> Bill was <laughs> getting married for Bill with a very momentous decision you know it was not a decision it was a decision about making a commitment to a, to a woman you know being married and having children but for bill it was a decision about being a grown up you know yeah and uh it was a struggle for him and um you know he was he was uh you know he there was a tough decision for him
1: sure
2: but if you read old interviews with him talking about it, there's one site that has a whole collection of interviews from him from the 60s and 70s. And you read his comments, just the way he's reflecting on various shows he's on at the time or looking back. And again, maybe I'm reading into this, but it seemed like, forget the reflection of real life to him or not, that Cortevetti's father was the one thing that – not the one thing, but the thing that he most strongly in some ways connected with as a show. Maybe not as a person, but as a show – it seems like that was the one, but maybe, you know, maybe I'm reading that wrong and you've, and you've certainly done a lot more research on him than I have.
0: So the, the end of Court Trippervetti's father marked a major shift in Bill, in Bill's career and, and the way, and not only his career, but it's his, just the way his physical appearance and his manner. He wanted to break away from comedic roles. And I, I know Court Trippervetti's father isn't a comedic, but it, it had the, it had the, 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 aspects of a, of a sitcom, you know, so 30 minutes and stuff like that. Right. He wanted to be taken more seriously, and I think uh, we saw that. Um, you know, it, from the from the from the end of courtship of Eddie's father in '72 on, he became increasingly uh, cerebral, secretive. He became the mystery man. Look at that. Look at when he did that. He played Anthony Blake on that show, the 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 ma- 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 magi- magician. Right. Right. He was the alter- He looked like a magician, didn't he, with the dark hair. Yeah. And and either those, those piercing eyes and stuff like that, and he he became increasingly introspective. And um, I think courtship of Eddie's father, when I talked about when he got married to Brenda in 1971, it was a real uh, crossroads for Bill in terms of deciding to be to to follow the rules of adulthood in terms of making a commitment and uh, be, to be a grown up. I think the reason he got married primarily was he wanted to have a child. And I think that decision was in large part due to the experience on Court of Eddie's father.
1: Really? He
0: said, you know, when, when he did my favorite Martian, one of, one of the, uh, one of the people told, one of his friends told me, Bill said, I never want to get married. You know, I, he, he said, I, I don't want to get married. Now, listen, he was about 29 years old. He was a good looking young bachelor and, you know, that's not unusual. You ask a lot of 21-year-old men who have uh, exciting careers, and I don't want to be tied down right now. But he said, you know, the only reason I'd get married is to have a child. And I think that, to to a large degree, that's what happened, although Bill and Brenda had a very passionate, uh, certainly had a very passionate uh, relationship. Right.
2: That's interesting. That the, It's interesting that playing playing that character, Tom Corbett, on Court of Eddie's Father, could have had that sort of impact on him.
0: But, you know, I think yeah, he was sensitive, but I think what was most effective about that show, going back to the idea of Bill being a cold actor who did not, you know, kept his emotions at bay, he, he did that on Courtship of Eddie's Father. What people love about that show are the, the dynamic of the relationship between father and son, a single father who makes mistakes. You know, mistakes not of negligence, but of love. You know, things don't go perfectly. Right. You know, it's it's a bit ugly. The ugly side of parenting. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
0: I think people like that. That's what they find believable, you know.
2: And did that show, by the way, in your research, the impression I've gotten is the show, because I don't remember it. I mean, I watched it as a kid when it was on first run, Uh, but I know when it went off the air, was it because the show was shifting in the end? This is just sort of a side question. Was it because it was becoming more about Norman than it was about Eddie and, yeah. Eddie and Tom? Yeah,
0: let's talk about why each of the three series that Bill is best known for, why none of them, with the possible exception of The Hulk, which ran for 82 episodes, all of them seem to end before they realize their full potential. Right. You know, right. That, 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 that that is interesting. That's another thing I found interesting. You know, it feels like my favorite Martian and Eddie's father, and and Hulk, to some degree. Although it went five years, these shows were poised to go much longer than they did. Now there are reasons for each of the uh, each of their demises. Um, my favorite Martian had uh, declining ratings, but also you had Ray Walston, who had become a very uh, malignant presence, I would say, on the set of that show. It was very unhappy. And that uh, those, that combination is what uh, ended that show. You know, before they, uh, you know, he was very unhappy doing that show. Uh, he was <laughs> Ray court, Wilson was courtship court, court of Eddie's father uh, had declining ratings, but um, you've you heard the narrative that um, James Comack wanted to take the show in a different direction, and yeah. uh, you know, well, I I don't think that happened. In the uh, in the third season, I think that's what was going to happen. Uh, I I think uh, his character was going to be more of a, a focus, and I, I don't think Bill liked that. I, I one of Bill's friends told me that Bill ended. That Bill was the one who pulled the plug on Courtship of father. Really, you know, he, he said I didn't want it anymore. Now Bill has Bill's quoted the same. Now the but the ratings had declined as well, so. So, and, and, and the Hulk, and the Hulk ran five years. Um, again, the, the ratings had declined. So, you know, that, that, that's the most obvious reason why a show gets canceled. It was, it was certainly a reason why Eddie's father was canceled and that, but there were other reasons at all why the other reasons as well that the Hulk had to end. And I think. I think one of the reasons was the emotional baggage that Bill had accumulated for Bill in that show, not because of the show, of course, but because of what happened right. in Bill's personal life. You know,
2: absolutely. So you think, think it was
0: just became too much for him to get away? And and if we can go back to this point about Bill, um, Bill, uh, in terms of this, is uh, my point that he he was not good at showing emotion. I think Bill was most effective in terms of understatement. You know, I'm, I'm look at, do you remember Good Night Town? Yeah, of course. He did a wonderful, I would, I would say a bit of a, a Cary Grant impersonation, uh, you know, playing a, a single ma- man, a middle-aged man who has a, uh, a, a, a relationship with a fellow co-anchor news co-anchor played by Marriott Hartley. And, uh, you know, you, you look at, uh, you look at, uh, you know, Eddie's father. You look at those quiet moments, right? It's those quiet moments you remember,
1: right? Absolutely. But
0: but, but you know, he he was effusive. You know, he 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 worked very hard. He worked very hard. You, you know, when I spoke to um, the daughter Pamela Britton, she talked about being on the set. I mean. You compare Bill's skills as an actor. I described him as a general purpose actor, and I, I think that's an accurate description in the abstract in terms of his abilities. Right. Uh, he had Tremendous determination, tremendous determination and effort. But you compare him with Ray Walston, who had an ability to display emotions and feelings with the slightest of gestures, with an, a raise of his eyebrow. You know, he was just such a, he was, as someone said, he was a master actor. And Bill had to work so hard, you know, so much effort, so much determination. To, uh, you know, Bill's performance on My Favorite Martian was probably defined by that expressions that he made. You know, the the flummoxed, exasperated expressions when he was confronted by these bizarre events. You know, right. and that that became like a mask. You know, it was very effective, but it was manufactured.
1: Fair
2: enough. He moved. He also from the very beginning had this interest in directing. And, and I do want to touch on this before we go is what do you think was it declining offers for acting roles that led him to embrace directing full time or just an a boredom of acting? And what do you think it was that made him made that shift over to directing?
0: He he wanted he he was very control he was I I was going to say he's controlling it sounds terrible when you say someone's controlling that, you know negative but it, not in a negative way he was he had an intense need to be part of the creative process you know he wanted more control you know Bill knew Bill knew his limitations as an actor and he knew the limitations of his influence as a television star within Hollywood you know I mentioned Bill did several feature films. I think it was 1974 when he did a film called The Apple Dumpling Gang. Right. And when he met with the producer, he said, "You know, you're the first person who offered me a feature film role in six or seven years. I I I thought this was dead for me." You know, he 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 definitely recognized his place in Hollywood. He said, "Look, I'm a I'm a television star. That, that that's who I am." You know, one day one day during the courtship of Eddie's father, uh, during the, early in the courtship of Eddie's father, Bill developed a, a, a ca, another casual friendship, as he said he had many, with Steve McQueen. Oh. And uh, one day they were down, they were on Rodeo Drive, and uh, I'm going to answer your question, but I just want to make a point.
1: No, no, about no, this. no worries. And, uh, no.
0: and this crowd formed, and of course, Bill uh, assume they were there for Steve McQueen. And they said, no, Bill Bixby, we want your autograph, you know, Bill Bixby. <laughs> well, they saw Bill on TV every week and they only saw Steve McQueen, maybe who was a very enigmatic, uh, star, a great star, one of the biggest stars of all time, but very enigmatic star who they maybe made one movie every two years, you know? So they, they recognized Bill. And uh, to, to your point about directing, he started directing the courtship of Eddie's father. He wanted more control. He wanted more say in the direction of that series, but throughout the 70s and 80s, he became kind of a, a, I hate to say journeyman director, but you've seen the TV that he directed, right? Oh, yeah. You know, throughout the 80s. At some point, there was a point where, when he directed with the aura of a star, you know, Bill Bixby, the star is directing, and there was that aura on the set. But there came a point in the '80s where he was just another director, you know, just a, what you know. These guys who direct episodic television, moving
2: from show to show, that sort of thing.
0: For fifteen, Bill directed episodic television for fifteen, over fifteen years, and and of course, the end of the Hulk transitioned to, into what turned out to be the last, of course, the last decade of Bill's life and career, and from 1983 on. He was primarily a director, and he, he 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 liked he liked to be he liked to stay busy more than anything else because it really didn't accomplish anything in the grand scheme of things. He never had offers to do feature films, you know. He 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 started a production company in 1974 with Paul Williams called uh, Loophole Productions to develop feature films. It just never happened for him. He was a He was a director, like, much like an actor. He was competent, efficient, uh, um, you know, very, very professional. But, um, you know, he he was just, uh, you know, he just kind of a, he became kind of a journeyman director, you know.
2: Was Blossom a good fit for him, do you think? Because obviously that was where he stayed towards the, at the end was of his a
0: good career. Fit personally because he developed kind of a second family there. That's, and that, that, that goes back to my, my overarching point about Bill and his friendships and relationships. I mean, he did blossom because he felt lonely. Yeah. You know?
2: Right. His son, his a, wife. He, yeah.
0: he yeah. found a surrogate family who he had known for approximately maybe six months to a year. You know, he 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 wanted to be with them instead of back at the townhouse in Century City, just wasting away. You know, you you. I think you wrote an article. I spoke to um, someone who was developing the the. the, You know, remember back in the 80s and early 90s when they did all these reunion films.
1: Sure.
0: For class, I think there was a Mayberry reunion. Oh yeah, there's
1: a lot of them. Yeah.
0: Area Brady Brady. Brady,
2: Andy Griffith, Brady Bunch, uh, everything.
0: That's, that's yeah. the name of it. Well, Bill, Bill, Bill was going to do a. Uh, th- there was a, a, a my favorite Martian reunion. Right, you you wrote about that. Right. I think you. Were, I interviewed the man who was developing I that, did. and yeah. and I spoke to that man and young man. He was a young man at the time, and he says he met with Bill. Well, he he he, he put all the pieces together. <clears throat> he got Jack Churdoch to give up the rights. He got Ray Walston. He got Bill to cooperate and uh at the end he called bill up and said you know i bill we're putting the pieces together we don't have a script they, they didn't have a script they didn't have a, uh, anything like that but and bill said no i'm sorry i can't i'm uh i'll be dead by then jesus you know i'll be dead and and I, I spoke to a producer who was actually developing a series uh with bill before he died it, it would have been a variation of uh, kind of like a cross between heart to heart you remember early edition with kyle chandler yes about a a man who gets next day's newspaper and is allowed to to possibly change events accordingly and right. it was sort of sort of like that you know this husband and wife couple and uh the producer said to Bill, this was 91 or 92, the producer said to Bill, you know, I, I, you know, Bill said to the producer, he said, you know, you may hear rumors that I have cancer. He said, it's not true. Uh, that I have prostate cancer. It's hemorrhoids. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So He he worked right to the
2: end. And uh, yeah.
0: do, you, do, you, do you remember those Elvis specials that he hosted?
2: No, I don't remember those.
0: Remember the psychic special?
2: Oh, yeah. Of-
1: no.
0: But one of the questions I always ask people, who Bill's colleagues, I said, did Bill, why did he direct so much? You know, what did he gain? I said, was he disappointed that he didn't get a feature film, a chance to do a feature film? You know, and he said, I I think he was disappointed, but I think mostly he just liked to stay busy. And you're right, throughout the 80s, by the mid-80s, Bill was no longer in demand as a leading actor in the series. Right. You know, so he, he, he really, towards the late eighties, he really had to scramble, you know, he really was scrambling. You know, he did, I mentioned the Elvis specials. He let it be known in the industry that he would do it. He, he started hosting, you know, hosting things. He was like a, it was, and it, and it was, it was embarrassing. Sure. Frankly, you know.
2: Well, cause there was a the potential was still there for so much more. And yet people weren't tapping him for it.
0: You know, he he did those Hulk films because it was something that he could control. It was something that was viable, right? And um, you know, and and you know, he he, he looked for any opportunity, he, he, any op, any opportunity that was available for him. You know, nice. and he wasn't especially picky.
2: One of the last things we got of Bill, of course, was that interview he gave for Entertainment Tonight, which I'm sure you've seen, like so many of us have seen. Yeah. Oh. When you look at Bill there, and I i don't mean, I, I want to ask you, what what is your feeling watching him about him? And I don't mean sadness that we know that this is towards the end. I mean, obviously, that's a big part of it. But when you hear him talk, when you hear his determination, what's your feeling watching him in that
0: interview? I found it troubling that Bill would feel that he wanted to work. You know, we talked about Blossom. Yeah. As his last, you know, when he when he was dying before he died. But because uh, I don't think for most of us, I don't think most of us would hope that our lives would end that way. I think most of us would hope that we were with family or perhaps traveling or doing anything. I don't think I don't think Blossom directing Blossom uh, accomplished anything. and certainly not in terms of his legacy. I think it was. He, as I said, he felt very lonely. Yeah, I, I see I see a man who's very lonely. I also see, of course, <clears throat> how grotesque his appearance is. You know, when people have cancer, especially women, it brings out their natural features. Uh, Bill had a lot of plastic surgery over the years, so his features were altered over the years. And uh, But it, it, did, it did bring out Bill's natural features in a way. It just stripped away the layers of skin and made him look younger. But it, it was grotesque. And you know, one of his friends told me that he um, he um, you know he 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 didn't want to see anybody, you know, any of his friends except maybe Dick, Dick. Except for the exception of Dick, but you know, one of his friends told me that he called Bill and Bill Bill hired a bodyguard, not to protect him from fans or or although there were some there were some tabloids who were certainly trying to invade his privacy. Sure, he wanted to keep him away from friends because Bill didn't want people to see him that way.
1: Right.
0: You know, but but of course we saw him on TV. He said, you know, I'm 90 pounds. I'm grotesque. I look horrible. I, you know, he,
1: he, I
0: think he, he definitely, he hated what was happening to him. He, he fought very hard. You know, he did uh, uh, just like all the subjects that Bill uh, tackled in his career, whether you're playing a magician or, or if he was playing a scientist in in, uh, David Banner, you know, Bill researched cancer almost like as thoroughly as a medical student would. And, uh, you know, he, he uh, one night, Ron, he called, he was on the phone with Ron Chapman, and he said somewhat with morbid humor, he said, which Bill had, Bill had a very dark sense of humor. He said, you know, we're on to the snake venom. You know, referring to the experimental treatment, right. referring to the fact that we've really reached the end of the line. And, uh, you you know, you've heard the story that Bill collapsed on the set of Blossom.
2: I was just going to bring that up, yeah.
0: And I'll, I'll leave you, I think we should end, end, end with the story maybe. But he, he called Ron one night and he said he was he was crying. And, he'd, and we talked about emotion. Bill did show emotion. And Bill did cry. Bill did cry. You know, he, he friends told me about when Brand, when Christopher died, the the emotion he showed, and when he divorced Brenda, he was heartbroken and and all that. And but he 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 never showed so much emotion that when he was dealing with cancer and he saw the, the other patients, and he said anyway anyway uh, Edward, he said, you know, I was on the set today at Blossom, and I fell down, and these two girls helped me to my feet. And he said the girls had tears in in their eyes as they were helping me to my feet. And it made me cry as well, you know.
2: Bill may not, as we discussed earlier, be remembered by a lot of people today, you know, that weren't there, uh, didn't watch these shows, that sort of thing. But for you, what kind of responsibility, if that's the right word, do you feel in the sense of? The odds are very strong this will be the only book written about Bill Bixby.
0: Oh, it, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be it, it's, it'd be impossible for anyone to do another book, Edward. I mean, I've, it's, uh, Bill, I, you, you asked me what I, you asked me what I, have what, what surprised me. I tell you what surprises me is how old I am. And uh, you, you probably feel the same way. Bill was 59 when he died and he'd be 85 today. Right. And talking to all his high school classmates or college classmates or colleagues, you know, who those who are still alive. I talked to all of them and some of them have passed away since they spoke to me, by the way, but you know, the passage of time. And, and if we, we, we think about if Bill was alive today and let's say Bill was alive today, in some ways, I think his legacy would be even diminished compared to, compared to what, what, how his legacy has progressed in death, because you know, Bill, uh, you know, d- death, death brings such a, uh, death, brings, de- death brings this retrospective uh, feeling towards people. And I think if Bill was alive today, he would be directing television fairly anonymously, fairly nondescriptly for as long as he was physically able to. And I, I think he would just become, I think Bill would be very surprised by how the prestige that television has accrued since he passed away, I'm talking about the indivisible line that has developed between cable television and uh, what I call cinematic television and uh, and feature filmmaking. I think he would be surprised by that. But I think he'd also be disappointed that he was too old to really participate that, because I think he would have loved that back in the 60s and 70s when television really was like, a to quote Sidney Pollack, when he was directing at Universal, it was like a sausage factory. Okay. And you talk about contradictions. Bill, the perfectionist working in the severe constraints of episodic television in the 60s, 70s, let me tell you, that is a clash.
2: TV Retrovision will be right back with the rest of our conversation with David Grove, author of Bill Bixby, His Life, His Career, His Secrets. (laughs) Look for Bill Bixby, His Life, His Career, His Secrets later this year. While you're waiting, please subscribe to this podcast Give us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. And if you're a fan of superheroes, check out the Voices from Krypton podcast. And if you're more fascinated with the undead, there's vampires and slayers. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Ah, mmm.
1: The first taste
2: of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy.